What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh the Pockets, where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, justice, charity, and the list goes on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But here is my disclaimer. My advice is not perfect um, because I'm not perfect, right? So I'm not infallible. I'm not without error. Therefore, the advice I share with you, the response I give to you might not be good for you. If that's the case, please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But if my advice is helpful though difficult, I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer, study, fellowship, worship, so that God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship over time in your walk toward eternity. If you are a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques, feedback, and glory stories at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, and any of the podcast formats out there, and share us on your social media pages. This can help other people to find out about the show if it's been a gift for you. Potentially, the show is a gift for other people as well. On today's show, we are going to be talking about coping with grief. We're going to address how to choose a name of a saint for the baptism of our child. And also, we are going to be looking at the monastic life and the contemplative life and discernment of that particular state of life vocation. But before we get into those topics... I want to share with you a glorious story. So my glorious story is this. Recently, I celebrated mass for some nuns in our diocese, some sisters, and one of the sisters in the community has a specific charism of like healing. And I, um, during mass, like my foot started hurting, but I didn't give any kind of indication to anybody that my foot was hurting. I just celebrated mass and offered it up. Well, after mass, I was talking to the sister and she said, you're in pain right now. And I said, as a matter of fact, you know, I am. My foot started hurting right before mass started. And she said, well, like, where does it hurt? And so I didn't, it was like the bottom of my foot, the sole of my foot is where it hurt, but I didn't feel like going into detail. So I just gave like a general direction, like right here. And I pointed like at my foot, but like not where specifically it was throbbing. And so she put her hands there and she said, uh, now nah, Papa didn't, Papa said, this is not where you're hurting. Papa said you're hurting on the sole of your foot. And I was like, well, yeah, actually I, I am, you know, but like, I just didn't feel like going into that much detail. Long story short, she prayed over it, pain went away. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Christ, praise God. But it was just so cool to me that the father recognized that and shared that with me, that he was just even like aware of like that little inconvenience in my foot. Like he's aware of every detail of my life. And every now and then in his will, way and time, if it's for my good, he will physically heal me. And sometimes if it's not for my good, he won't. Right. But yeah, that was just a huge gift that the Lord gave me. This morning, after I celebrated the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with some really beautiful sisters. Um, so yeah, that's that. We got some feedback too. My feedback today comes in from Kate. Kate says, blessings and thank you, Father Josh, for this podcast. 
The topics are timely and meaningful, and I learn something new each week. I love the music you add to each episode, and I look forward to a song from you. Perhaps Chandler Moore will be a guest, and together you fellas will sing Refiner for us. Thanks and keep the faith. I, you know, Chandler Moore and Maverick City, they are so, so good. I I just, I could jam out to their, their praise music all day long. They even have like a Christmas CD where they are such a gift because as I listen to them sing, it's as if they're really worshiping God through these Christmas songs, which a lot of times Christmas songs are sung by secular artists in a not so um, praiseworthy manner. And so, yeah, they are just so anointed. Um, yeah, mm, uh, Maverick City, that's, that's, that's where it's at. They, they even did a, um, the praise God from whom all blessings flow. The doxology, so good. So yeah, Kate, yeah, thank you. And if Chandler Moore wants to come on a podcast, yeah, for sure, we could uh, have a little praise session and praise God together as brothers in Christ. With that being said, let's jump into the topics for today's show. First topic comes in from Anonymous, and it's about coping with grief. Father Josh, could you talk about how to navigate anticipatory grief from a Catholic perspective? My grandma's health is declining. I'm coping with grieving the person she once was and the grief I know I'll be experiencing in the future. Anonymous. Yeah, thank you so much, Anonymous. This is such a hard thing because it's very difficult for all of us whenever seasons change. Uh, we change as people. We go through different changes in life. And and yeah, and it's hard because sometimes the person that we once knew because of dementia or Alzheimer's or illness or sickness or whatever, like they're just, they don't seem the same anymore. They, they're, they're objectively speaking the same person, but personality wise, they change. And that's, that's difficult. That's really, really difficult for all of us. For all of us, it is. And so I first want to give you some space to grieve. And to acknowledge that what you're experiencing is normal and it's healthy. And it means that you are a human being. So it is good to, to grieve the loss of the relationship and how it used to be. But this is also an invitation from the Lord, I think, to surrender and to receive the relationship that is, what is present in the present moment, right? I was drawn to, to John, the beloved disciple, as I was praying for you. And specifically like John, the beloved disciple, he rested on the breast of Jesus. He was invited to the top of Mount Tabar and got to experience apparitions of Moses and Elijah with Jesus. He heard God the Father speak on the top of Mount Tabar with Jesus. He watched his friend Peter walk on water. He rested his head on the, the, the chest, the heart. There's so many beautiful experiences John, the beloved disciple, had with Jesus. But during his passion, Jesus was suffering and John was present to Jesus Christ crucified. Your grandmother is the body of Jesus Christ. And right now she is, she's, she's suffering. And you're invited to imitate St. John. You're invited to imitate John and to be present to her at the foot of her, of her cross. It wasn't fun for John to be there. It wasn't uh, a joyful time. Like when we pray the rosary, we have the different mysteries. It wasn't a joyful mystery. It wasn't a luminous mystery. It was a sorrowful mystery. It was a sorrowful season. 
And his relationship with Jesus looked different. It did not look like the time when they were on the top of the mountain. It did not look like the wedding of the Cana when they, when they partied with, with Mary and the other apostles and they saw the water become wine. It did not look like the time that they, they did miracles and the sick were healed. It looked different. But he embraced the body of Jesus in the present moment. And the body of Jesus in the present moment was on the cross. And so I think that the Lord is inviting you to enter into that season of embracing the place of the cross with John and with Mary, of being there at the foot of the cross of your grandmother whose health is declining, of standing there with her, of grieving there with her, of being sorrowful right there. Be present to who you are right now. Right now you are, you are suffering with your grandmother who is, who is declining. Your relationship will look different, but the invitation is to be present to the present moment. To not focus on what used to be or what would be or could be in the future, but to be present to the present moment. God is a God who says, I am. Not I was or I will be, but I am. And in the present moment, your grandmother is the image of God who is, whose health is declining. So I just want to encourage you to be there, to reverence your grief, to reverence that. Grief is healthy and holy. Jesus Christ himself grieved when his friend Lazarus died. He wept. It is good, healthy, and holy to grieve. St. Mary and St. Martha grieved as well. It is good and healthy and holy to grieve. Our Lady is called Our Lady of Sorrows for a reason, because she grieved. Grief is healthy and holy and mature. So what can you do with this grief? Well, I think, first of all, you pray. Like, and don't be fake in your prayer. Be honest in your prayer. Honestly acknowledge that, God, I am, I am sad right now. This is where I am. I'm sad because of the relationship and it changing. But ask God to give you the grace to surrender. There's a beautiful novena of surrender prayer novena that I would always recommend. Um, but also with the rosary, like pray with the sorrowful mysteries. If that's where you're at, then be sorrowful. Be in the garden of Gethsemane, but be attentive. But be attentive to Jesus and his suffering, to the body of Jesus and your grandmother. You know, Peter and James and John, they were not attentive to Jesus. Be attentive to Jesus. Look at Jesus in her. Don't navel gaze. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on her. Allow your prayer to draw you to be present to the body of Christ's suffering. Mm. Then, in addition to prayer, I would encourage you to join a, a grief support group, right? Grief support groups are helpful. Like There are many kinds of different support groups where we could be with people who are also experiencing different things that are similar to what we are going through. And sometimes when we hear their stories, that can kind of help us. So maybe get plugged into a grief support group in your local parish. Also, consider serving other people who are suffering. A temptation from the enemy is for us to be paralyzed and to like navel gaze on ourselves. Don't navel gaze. That is never healthy. Find other people in the community who are suffering, who are sick, who are wounded, and also serve them in this season um, if you can. If you don't have time to do that, then definitely prioritize serving your grandmother while she is with you through your prayers and through your presence. And finally, be open to receiving therapy. Counseling is, is really good. It's beautiful. Um, so maybe look up a Catholic counselor in your area who you can invite to walk with you, to accompany you in this season of, of your life. And those are just a few things that I think you could do um, that can help you in this, in this season of your suffering. So, yeah, mm, that's what I'll say for that. Next question also comes in from another person who is anonymous, and it is about choosing patron saints. Hey, Father Josh, I have so loved listening to the podcast, and I find so much fruit from it. I'm currently six months pregnant with my first baby, and having grown up Southern Baptist and converting in college, Catholic baptism is still a bit mysterious to me. 
As my husband and I prepare to welcome our small human to the world and the church, how should we discern their patron saint? I have a few ideas, but since this is my first, I'm honestly not sure. Her name would be Sarah Elizabeth. And while I know these are both saints in the Bible, I'm not sure if either is the right name to baptize her with or honestly what that truly means. I look forward to hearing from you every week. Keep blessing souls anonymous. Yeah, that's actually a great, great, great question. Uh, to be just super clear with you, so your child, like both of those names are you know biblical names and saintly names. So technically, um, you don't have to add an extra saint name. Like Sarah is 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 the is, is a saint name, and Elizabeth, right? There's so many Elizabeths, so that's also a saint name. Uh, so technically, you don't have to add anything to that. That's already a good. Uh, holy biblical name. But what about this Catholic tradition though of naming your child after a saint? And where does it come from? Where does it come from? Where does it go? Where does it come from? Cotton and Joe. So in the fourth century, let's go back in the day to the fourth century, St. John Chrysostom. He is like, man, one of the best preachers. His writings are absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. So St. John Chrysostom, he uh, highly encouraged mothers and fathers to to pick names for the children that were of the holy men and women who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity. Holy men and women who could be role models, who could be inspirations for the child to look up to, to get to know, to befriend, to imitate in their relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And so uh, this is something that happened like for like many years, even before the fourth century, uh, St. Dionysius of Alexandria, he writes about how many people named their kids John or Peter or Paul after the apostles, right? Because those are men that they wanted their kids to imitate and also to receive their intercession from, like to like say, like, I want you to be a special friend and intercessor for, for my child as well, because we're all connected, right? We are connected. We're not just meant to look up to them, but they're also meant to help us, to pray for us, to intercede for us, that we too can join them in the beatific vision to become saints um, in our relationship with the Lord. The Code of Canon Law also addresses this as well in uh, 855. It says, parents, sponsors, and the pastor are to take care that a name foreign to Christian sensibility is not given. Basically, what this means is that we don't want to name our child Satan or like the devil uh, or something like that. So that's what the, the basic point was. But there's this beautiful tradition in our church to go to biblical names, to canonize saints' names. So if you're naming your child a like name, like on their certificate that doesn't have a biblical name in it or a saint name in it, then you can add a saint name at the moment of baptism. That's like that's like where that comes from. Since you came in the church as an adult, you had a confirmation saint as well. And so whenever you were confirmed, you were confirmed like Elizabeth or Anne or Mary or Teresa or Josephine or whoever, Henriette, right? So that that was because you, that was your confirmation saint as well. And you came in as an adult. So that's kind of why you did it as an adult. But um, for your baby, your baby already has the saint names. Sarah and Elizabeth are both good names. Naming someone in the Bible is like really important, right? And so you see this, Jesus gives Simon the name Peter, rock, you know, um, so it's important, like Abram, Abraham, Sarah, Sarai, Sarah. So over and over again, we, we will see this happen in the Bible. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? So like the name's important, but you've already given your child a really good name. So no pressure, no pressure for you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Oh, like, <laughs> I just had a song come to mind. Say my name, say my name. That's, um, that's like the saints are singing that to us, like, say my name, say my name. 
Won't you name your baby after me? I'm a saint in heaven, say my name. Litany of saints. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's it. All right. Which is also a cool part of the baptism. During the baptism, we do a litany of saints. And the litany of saints, we ask all these different saints to pray for us. So that's another reason why we give our children like really good saint names or we add a saint name at their baptism to pray for them. All right. We're going to be back after our break with our final question on discerning religious life, specifically the monastic life and the contemplative life. How do I capture and pass down insights and truths that are meaningful? Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, the creator of the Bible Timeline Learning System, and I created the Insight Journal. Within the Insight Journal is a system to keep track of the best insights of life in an organized and easily accessible way. No more rummaging through journal after journal to find that one insight from prayer that you want to share. I have done months of research to create the best journal for you to keep your golden nuggets of truth. Get ready to write your insights from Mass, the Bible, talks, and more in a beautiful cloth-covered journal with a ribbon, strap, and interior folder. To order your copy of the Insight Journal, go to ascensionpress.com forward slash Insight Journal. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. All right, final question comes in from Tom. Tom writes about monasticism and the contemplative life. Hey, Father Josh, I've recently been researching the monastic life, contemplative life, and potentially feel called to a vocation to it. Sweet. There is something so radical about it that seems so attractive. I think the world needs more prayers and sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. Yet reparation is always needed. However, it also seems pretty scary to be so detached from the world. Could you talk a little bit about the monastic and contemplative life and how to properly discern it? What is its role in building the kingdom of God? I don't want to consider it just because I want to escape this broken world. At the same time, I'm amazed by saints like St. Therese, who never left the convent, yet is named a doctor of the church. Like I know there's something so powerful about it. Thank you, Tom. Yes, there is something really, really, really powerful about the monastic and contemplative life, Tom. And it is a necessary place for many members of the body of Christ to embrace in their relationship with Jesus and his church. Uh, We need brothers and sisters who are our intercessors. So yeah, a few stories and then I'll get into like practicals. One story is this, like um, one year, me and my buddy, Father Andrew Merrick, both of us who have the charisma of evangelization, uh, we were not able to go on our big diocesan March for Life pilgrimage. Like normally our March for Life takes about like 500 kids and a bunch of nuns and priests and seminarians. And that year we both weren't able to go. And so a few people are like, oh man, like those are two of our evangelists in our diocese. Like who's going to evangelize the kids? And so me and Father Andrew both committed to like interceding for that particular pilgrimage. And we prayed and we, we offered up sacrifices and penances. No lie. That was from what I hear that from the people who went, like one of the most spiritually, supernaturally fruit-bearing March for Life pilgrimages in our diocese history. Because there's power in prayer. There's 
power in offering up penances. Before St. Dominic founded the order of preachers, the friars who went around sharing the gospel and preaching the word of God, he first and foremost founded an order of contemplative nuns, women religious who prayed and fasted and offered up penances for this future ministry. And the fruit of their prayers and penances and sacrifices was manifested in the friars who went out and preached the word of God. We see the same thing with St. Therese of Lisieux, the Carmelite nun who was a cloister sister who never left the convent. But she is a patron of missionaries because God used her prayers and her penances to support the missionary apostolic zeal uh, that was being manifested in many disciples all over the world. So even though she herself never went to Africa or Asia, her prayers did strengthen the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who did feel called and answer a call to the apostolic life in the work of the church. So super, super important, super, super necessary to have this. But what do you do? How do you discern this? Well, the first thing I think would be to pray, right? Engage Jesus Christ in prayer and pay attention to what you feel him calling you to, like pay attention to your imagination, pay attention to the word of God, pay attention to his voice in silence, get to know his voice through your time spent before the blessed sacrament and with the word of God, the sacred scriptures, pray and fast so that you can come to know the voice of Jesus well. As you pray and fast, I would encourage you to participate with the Siena Institute's Called and Gifted Workshop so that you can understand what are the particular charisms, supernatural gifts that you received at your baptism. If you receive the charism of intercessory prayer, that might be a sign that you have been called to contemplative life. If you received a charism of, of service, because in the contemplative life, you don't just pray all day, but you work. You work in the garden. You work. You cook. You know, food, you work around the community. So there is work, but right. So you pay attention to the different charisms that you have discerned with the Siena Institute's called and gifted program. Also celebrate the sacraments regularly. Uh, go to mass, receive the Eucharist, go to confession, receive the sacrament of reconciliation so that you can be in a state of grace. It's very difficult to discern a vocation if you're not in a state of grace. Get a spiritual director, right? So you have someone who's walking with you and contact your vocation director in your diocese and ask your vocation director to help you to identify where are some monastic communities in your land. And if not in your land, then around the nation or even the world. And then go do some come and sees, like go visit them. It's hard to discern without actually tangibly being in the place, in the space. And so when you're there, pay attention. Does this feel like home to me. A lot of people who become sisters who are nuns or are friars or monks in abbeys and monasteries around the world or friaries, they say when they went and visited, it felt like home. So when you go there, try to imagine, can I see myself here in this particular place? Get to know the founder of that community, the particular saint who founded the community if they're dead or if they're alive, get to know them as they're alive and their charism, their spirituality, and begin to incorporate that into your own life at home. And if you really feel like that spirituality, like their charism is helping you to abide in relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow in virtue, then it would be a really good idea for you to keep making more visits to those particular friaries or monasteries. Um, if it's like an abbey, then pay attention to like liturgy. Are you drawn to liturgy? Because a lot of monasteries um, with monks, like they have a really big emphasis on the liturgical life. And so recognizing that's something you'd be giving your life for. And do you have the capacity to be celibate and to, to be obedient uh, if you... If you're not celibate, then you, you're not called right now, right? Wait, like you got to get celibate first. Um, uh, give it up and for God and be obedient. Be obedient. Practice obedience. Practice life of prayer. Practice celibacy. Practice detachment from, from possessing things. 
and then go from there. And I think if you do those things, then you would be in a better place to properly discern a potential call to the religious life, specifically the contemplative monastic life that is a gift to the entire universal church. All right, that's our show. Let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we thank you for the gift of every member of the body of Christ, for the different places and spaces that you have created us to participate in in our walk toward heaven. I ask that you give us the grace to be docile and flexible and to be open to uh, to do what you want us to do, to go where you want us to go, to be in the place that you desire for us to be so that we can grow in our relationship with you, so that we can abide in relationship with you on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this prayer, Father God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Saint Benedict, pray for us. Saint Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Saint John of the Cross, pray for us. Saint Scholastica, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Amen.